Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. And a special feature with our friends at Porsche, we are talking about the formation, creation, ideation, all kinds of Asians related to the rather amazing Coke liveried Petit Le Mans program, something where Georgia, site of IMSA's season finale at Road Atlanta, the Petit Le Mans 10 hour event married with the Atlanta based Coca Cola Corporation bringing that soft drink brand back to the Porsche family in sports car racing for this one-off union Appetit Le Mans for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship season finale on the glorious Porsche 911 RSRs run by the American Porsche GT team. Wanted to delve into this. How did this happen? How did Coca-Cola, obviously one of the world's most famous brands and one of the world's most famous automotive brands, come together in a modern union paying homage to history going back to the early 1980s when we saw many coke liveried porsches in particular porsche 935s in the imsa gt and gtp category then the porsche 962s how did this happen who came up with the idea what was involved in getting this brand to come back and participate knowing that porsche in general has been the, quote, sponsor and primary leader of its marketing efforts using the 4-liter flat 6-cylinder powered 911s as a marketing and advertising tool in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. A lot of other factors, too, including the merchandising, the livery. It's a fantastic, fantastic time spent with our friend Dave Engelman, who looks after so many things on Porsche's behalf communications man events man just good man dave engelman you'll also then hear after dave who opens the conversation next up is scott devault who is porsche's e performance marketing manager uh definitely was a big big player in the pretty amazing video as well that was used to promote this to announce this using the streets and highways greater atlanta to film the video here and then we move next to the third member of the conversation, Scott Bartlett, the manager of motorsports and driving events. Uh, again, coming back to that merchandise, and customer hospitality, and really integrating Coca-Cola into this 911 program for Road Atlanta here in October. So I loved this. It just it blew my mind. I wish I could have been there to buy up all of the amazing gear, the hats and T-shirts and other swag there's news on that it ran out just period nothing left anywhere and if this is your first time listening pay a visit to marshallpruittpodcast.com the better part of 700 episodes are waiting for your enjoyment we also have a tidy little subscription page where if you want to subscribe you want to download you want to stream all major options are there for you all right let's get going with dave scott and scott talking about porsche talking about coca-cola into amazing cars that made so many of us smile on the way to their 2019 imsa gt le mans championship season culminating the best liveries of all at petit le mans gents one of the happiest things captured by my eyes and ears took place at petit le mans with the glorious flowing red and white colors of Coca-Cola, we have seen massive reaction 
among the sports car world, just fandom unchecked with the beauty of the cars. What I wanted to do here was to talk about how this came together because it is such a unique thing in a world of seemingly endless throwback liveries where a designer comes up with something that's a nod to the past. This took things to an entirely different level. Who should start telling us about how the idea for this started to germinate and how something more than just a nod to the past with some colors that looked like something old-timey was replaced by, huh, what if we actually engaged with a former corporate partner to make a true throwback, throw-forward, just-throw-everything-together program like we had with the Coke-liveried Porsches at Petit Le Mans? From the direction was the three of us here in the room and we went from, it would be a great idea following up on the Brumos liveries from, you know, and the mobile one from earlier, um, last year on the beginning of the 50th celebration with IMSA to, um, reaching out to Coke for basically they were okay or their permission to do it. And the talent and the vision from the two Scots I'm sitting with just really took it from there. Scott DeVault, why don't we start with you? knowing that as a manager of marketing on the Porsche side, uh, this would seem to be right in your wheelhouse. Give us some insights on when this idea started getting thrown around. What are the things that started coming to mind about how to make this, again, different than just, say, a throwback livery as we see on many cars, yet without any real ties to whatever that historical uh, brand might have been. Yeah, for me, I, I think the last Rinsport um, was maybe for me where it first um, started being able to see some of the the, the 962s, the 935s out on track um, during those four days we spent at Laguna Seca. Um, I think even Pat Long wore his um, vintage racing suit. Um, he had a great hat that we still talk about today that we wanted to base a lot of the merchandise that we eventually created off of. And just the amount of passion and, and excitement and enthusiasm that those cars um, everywhere they're shown, especially where they're driven um, and, and even to a greater degree in an environment like Rinsport, um, I think left a lasting impression in my mind. Um, and this was right around the time that we were just finishing up the year of, you know, our, my uh, first experience with historic liveries um, with the Rothmans and the pink pig at Le Mans. Uh, I think it, it grounded, um, a historic livery and in, in certainly the history in the past, like Porsche always does, where we recognize um, moments in our history that, that were significant for one reason or another, but it also um, helps guide us forward. And I think in true Porsche fashion, we never do anything new without referencing something old. And um, so I think for me, that's, that's where it really started. Um, then we had the GT1 um, throwback livery for our 20th anniversary at Petit Le Mans. Um, again, both success on and off the track of the, the reaction off the track to, to our fans and our, our enthusiasts, uh, and then an, another podium. And I think we've, we've, we've run a pretty, pretty, uh, successful, uh, in terms of on track performance with these historic liveries, a, a class win at Le Mans, uh, petite, uh, podium, uh, and then the Brumos followed up, uh, in, in early, uh, 2019. And really that's, uh, I distinctly remember sitting with, with, with Dave and Scott, 
um, watching Hurley climb into uh, one of the classic Brumos um, cars at Daytona and drive next to the Brumos RSR. Um, and we, we were just blown away by the ability to lean in on the stories and the nostalgia associated with, with that car. And, and, and then also you throw in the 50th anniversary of IMSA. And it just felt right um, to, to pay tribute to a dealership that, that had had customer racing uh, for decades uh, here in the United States and carried the flag for, for Porsche for so long to honor them to help honor the IMSA 50th anniversary. Um, and then also from just a selfish marketing perspective, have those stories to lean on and to dive into and to draw a greater connection to, to those who have already been involved with Porsche. And then even, um, you know, a bigger circle to pull in um, with these, these stories of, hey, that car looks really cool, the details of the 59 inside the stripes, we, the merchandising that was associated with it, the relationship with the, with the Brumos, um, uh, dealership and, and, and the ownership there just felt like it, it, we were onto something. Um, and we started riffing of, you know, how can we extend this further? Um, and I think Scott Bartlett and I were, were, were chatting and saying, Hey, back end of the year, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, two hometown companies came together from Atlanta with the local race, um, to do something. And, and that's really where it started, um, for me and my involvement um, with Coca-Cola uh, and connecting it to the IMSA 50th year. And at that point, it was something that was really pie in the sky. And honestly, I didn't think we could do it. A company like Coca-Cola, um, we imagined there'd be hoops to jump through. There'd be money that needed to be exchanged hands. We needed to elevate this to leadership on both parts. Um, but we thought it was worth exploring. Um, and I think from there, kind of, Scott, your, your discussions with Pascal um, and, and Dave, um, kind of took it to the next level where we were able to, to go to, to Coca-Cola in March or April with a cohesive package of what we thought it could be. And, and at that point, I'll be honest, it was much simpler than where we ended up. Uh, it, it, it started kind of more towards uh, your lead-in of a livery. Um, and, and maybe that's where, where a lot of great ideas start is just one, one um, example of how it could work. And it, now it's grown, um, as, as we've all seen over the last uh, – eight or 10 months into something that was tough to control at times with the amount of enthusiasm from, from other groups. But, you know, maybe, maybe Bartlett after, um, uh, uh, Daytona, the roar, and then the race itself going into Sebring, um, maybe you can touch on kind of the conversations you had with, with our German counterparts and the, the, the GT team themselves. Yeah. So, uh, from the inception of this, ultimately we really wanted to have a livery that, um, told a story that we could activate around because um, I think the liveries that we did beforehand uh, in the U.S. with the Mobile One livery and then the Brumos livery, they were good, but I think there was more that we could do off the track um, from the way we reveal it to um, fan engagement opportunities. And so um, kind of developing it out, we obviously determined that the, the story of this hometown um, re kind of Recollaboration between Coca-Cola and Porsche made a lot of sense for our hometown race uh, in Atlanta. So that was one of the main themes that we had. Um, but also something that's very unique too, out of all the liveries we've ever done, this is probably one of the only liveries that you could put in front of anyone in the world and they recognize the brand that's on the car. Um, you know, everyone in the world knows Porsche, uh, knows Coca-Cola, but not everyone in the world knows Porsche. 
Um, so it was a really neat opportunity that we had. Um, the, the merchandise, um, we really wanted to have a strong fan engagement um, uh, opportunity. So we looked at doing the model cars, T-shirts, everything came together as we expected, plus more. Uh, you probably saw a few foam fingers floating around the paddock, uh, which was um, just another example of how everyone's so enthusiastic about this concept that they're just coming up with new and creative ideas as it's developed. Um, and then even the way we revealed it. So back in March, I believe, um, we were talking about what's the best way that we can reveal this livery because we've been doing the on-site reveals at the track. We did the surprise reveal at Daytona, which is really cool, um, you know, usually week of the race. But for something that is in our backyard that we want to drive traffic to the track, we want to drive eyeballs to IMSA, to our program, um, and, you know, to make a bigger splash in the week of the race, we thought, why don't we do something that's further out? They sure. give people time to react, time to talk about this. Um, and then how are we going to reveal it? Well, the last two years, we've had a lot of fun doing uh, street car film or race car films on the street. So we did the 919 drive through Manhattan. We did the 919 Evo drive down the PCH. So um, we kind of uh, went to PAG saying, hey, can we put an RSR on the streets of Atlanta? And with it obviously being the end of this life cycle for this, uh, this iteration of the RSR, they said, sure, why not? So we got the green light to do a, a street drive. Um, and then all of us, three of us in the room, uh, Tom Moore as well, um, kind of came up with this storyboard of what this could look like and, and how we actually reveal the car livery in this film, which was very well received. And then on top of that, really the icing on the cake was doing that at Coke headquarters, which um, I know uh, Scott and Dave and, and Megan Miguel, who's not present, were heavily involved in the planning process um, to make that reveal happen. But I think uh, to throw it back to Scott, who oversaw the filming, um, maybe talking about just how the difficulties of keeping us out of the public eye with <laughs> doing a, a crazy, very uh, noticeable livery. It's not like we're doing a, you know, a, a Rothman's or a Brumos livery or something in the street that most people won't recognize. They'll recognize a Coca-Cola car, especially in the hometown. So, you know, yeah, so, uh, I was I, I, just going to say real quick, another thing that would be interesting to delve into with, with Coke here before we get into that aspect is interest to hear about how this was, I guess, approved on Coke's end and how you guys came to an agreement on this from the standpoint of, well, we have seen Coke engaging in NASCAR, for example, with drivers. We have seen they've done campaigns recently with a number of higher profile drivers preferring to align themselves more directly with the athletes. I'm not saying we don't see any small logos on vehicles and whatnot, but what we don't see and haven't seen is the big Coca-Cola branded car. So it would appear their strategy in recent years in motor racing has been more about aligning with the athletes, the personalities, the person actually consuming their product than blanketing entire vehicles with their colors. Was that something that came up? Any, any concerns about wanting to give the impression or how to stave off the impression that Coke is actually getting back into major vehicle sponsoring and such? I think ultimately um, we're in a people business. 
And we were very fortunate to come across our counterparts at Coca-Cola that were amazing on multiple levels. And maybe it doesn't happen as often as it should, but sometimes things are no-brainers. And this one fell into that category. Everybody that came across it thought the idea was amazing, thought the car looked amazing, and thought there's no way we don't do something positive with this. Um, without getting ahead of ourselves, I think this opened a few doors for future conversations on a multitude of topics between the companies. Um, and Mr. Bartlett can talk about, um, let's say, the, the more details, the boring details perhaps of the contracts and what had to be signed and had to get approvals and all that. But as far as just making it happen from the car standpoint and the delivery standpoint and the merchandising standpoint, I don't think there's anybody that threw up a flag and said, we shouldn't do this. Um, from the president of our company on down, everybody was incredibly excited and important right from the very start. That's amazing. So the, the filming is another thing that I was hoping to get a little bit further into at first when I saw, I believe static image uh, of the nine 11 RSR blasting onto the freeway. My initial reaction was, man, I really need to brush up and, and learn more in Photoshop because this is so photorealistic. It's amazing. Then I saw the video and said, well, you know, the, no wonder it's so photorealistic. This is just high ambition met with reality. Tell us about the ability to get this done because it sounds like you're also needing to file you know municipal permits and get the police involved and blocking off areas and also getting a film crew out and such of the many things i love about this effort for a single race you guys really truly uh had to put in an insane amount of work coming back to how i opened normally it's just a designer in a dark room somewhere playing around on their laptop coming up with pretty colors old colors to put on a car this sounds like a full-scale management project yeah, I think you, you, you nailed it on, on one of the most difficult aspects, certainly uh, as a part of the filming, what was um, matching our ambitions for the project to, to reality and what was actually possible. And Scott Bartlett mentioned that we had a, a couple chances to film race cars on, on streets previously with a 919 um, in New York City and a 919 Evo um, in Big Sur um, just after Rensport. And... Uh, both of those productions were led by um, uh, JF Musial and Tangent Vector, who we've got a long relationship with here um, at PCNA. So when we started riffing on the idea of wouldn't it be cool if we started the film, the reveal film, at the airport, it hit the PEC, it touched several, in, in our minds we talked about the Capitol building, the world of Coke, Coke headquarters, Varsity, all of these um, staples in Atlanta of, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you just had all of these shots quickly of the car making its way through, uh, through Atlanta all the way to the track. And that's kind of where the, the idea originally started. And then working with JF and Tangent Vector and their team, uh, we started to look into permitting and, and, and there's you kind of two things to, to balance when we, when we looked at that was cost of the permit, um, and value of the shot. So, um, we kind of, took a look at, at a number of things and, and filming on a public, or excuse me, a national highway versus a state highway is significantly different. The state is very open. Uh, Atlanta is very open to filming, especially over the last several five or six years with uh, a lot of the film industry coming to Atlanta. The processes were in place for us to file 
um, for for permitting relatively easily, um, and they were incredibly open to it. And the city themselves, um, even the police officers on site, were were so enthusiastic about this partnership. And that was one of the underlying themes um, throughout this: is that it's not just the three, four people on this call that that made this happen. Um, it extended and rippled out. And, and typically, in a corporate environment, when you go out and you say, hey, I've got this new on-top project that you've not heard of before, that you're not planning for, that you're not expecting, um, and I need you to do additional work to help us make this happen, it was met with, wow, what a, what a cool idea. <laughs> Let's do that, and I'm going to build on it, and we can do this. Um, and so it started with, with a, a, a livery on these two cars to celebrate IMSA, celebrate Atlanta, um, and has, has grown into, you know, there's a great story around the Coca-Cola car and the Aiken family, and, and, and we can really build stories from this. Um, and, and that's honestly what, what, Dave, when you mentioned the Coca-Cola folks that we worked with, they were, the biggest concern from them was, let's tell an authentic story here. Uh, and, it, and it went there immediately. It wasn't um, talking about finances or we need to be here or we need to create merchandising. It, it was really about let's do something that's authentic to the two brands and that we can tell a story. And then we pitched them the film idea. They had almost no feedback. It was tell us how we can help make this happen. We'll get you in at the World Coke. We'll get you in at the Coke headquarters wherever we can, and, um, and we'll go from there. Um, so it was, it was received by each additional person throughout the process and met with additional excitement and additional ideas on how we could make it um, uh, as, as great an idea, as great a partnership as we could. Um, and it started with, with a small group and extended quickly to Coke and, and, and to JF Mutual and the Tangent Vector team um, to help us get the permitting, help us execute an idea that, you know, it's just a, a few corporate guys riffing on what might be possible. You have to give that to an expert who knows how to make these types of films. Um, and, and I don't want to undersell how, how integral they were for specifically the filming aspect of it and, uh, and taking us through Atlanta in a quick tour. Uh, and you get this magical moment when, the, when the, the car changes livery after Pat Long grabs a Coke out of a, a vintage 1960 Coke machine that Coke helped us um, uh, acquire for the shoot. So, uh, you know, it was incredibly complex, but it never felt overwhelming simply because the amount of effort that was put in um, from a number of people that, that are on this call, but, but in the even greater amount that aren't. Let's close on this. So while I was not able to be there to put $1,000 worth of Coke Porsche merchandise on my credit card, I have heard and have seen evidence of, good Lord, just everything selling out quickly. Uh, I don't know if we can confirm here the Porsche GT team program has been confirmed through the year 2050 based on all the proceeds from uh, the merchandise at Petit Le Mans. But this looks like something that whatever wild imaginations you might have had when it came time to order X amount of hats and T-shirts and just all manner of things, uh, even your, your, your biggest ambitions in terms of sales appear to have been met very quickly share thoughts about this that's among the many forms of validation right this is one of them wow we couldn't keep this stuff on hand it went out the door so quickly must tell you that this overall project big home run yeah i I can say that um even if we ordered enough merchandise it wouldn't be enough 
it was incredible what the reception was, um, especially the hats. And there's actually a funny story. Um, I think it was just before the driver introductions on Saturday morning. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya came up to our uh, PR representative on the core team and was asking for a hat. Um, so we had IO, IOU lists going of a lot of VIPs who missed out. Um, but, I mean, the, it's, it really took off, and that's kind of a, a build-off of what we wanted to improve on from our previous liveries was the merchandise. Fans were asking for stuff. They wanted T-shirts, model cars, hats, et cetera. So um, I think our, our team in Germany, um, this was actually a really big effort to get the merchandise done because you're working with two massive corporations that have their own merchandise programs. Um, so to co- co-produce and co-market merchandise um, was a pretty massive task. Um, I've never seen our model cars turned around that quickly. It took, a, I think, a month from the time that we put the order in till they're actually in hand, which is unheard of. Um, but overall, I think from the Coke side as well, um, you know, we, we did a co-production and, and co-marketing. They've pretty much sold out of everything as well on their side on the CokeStore.com. So... Um, Yes, it was great to see at the event everyone, even day of, changing shirts, putting on their their new Coke shirts, their hats, um, the foam fingers. We did stickers. We did magnets. Um, So we just did a lot on the fan engagement side that um, just beyond merchandise, stuff that could stick with people and and, uh, still had a little bit of a retro feel to it. Any plans or thoughts on getting another batch of all the items you mentioned uh, ordered again for those who might want to? Uh, purchase Christmas gifts for fans of the program. And I wouldn't ask you to share what, but I would assume pivoting off of the success of whether it's Brumos, whether it's Rothman's, whether it's Pink Pig, whether now with Coke, your uh, your mind spinning on other liveries that are important to Porsche from its motor racing past that might be brought out here in the future. And I'll just plant a little seed my all-time favorite, the Lowenbrow Porsche 962 Al Holbert era liveries, certainly uh, does, would deserve strong consideration. So I'll let Dave respond to the uh, future question, but um, in terms of merchandise, I can tell you that both Porsche Experience Centers just did a pretty massive reorder, so uh, if you can visit or call your local Experience Center or even your dealer, uh, those products will be available again shortly. And as far as the future, um, Porsche doesn't like to talk about future products, so we'll have to leave it at that. You're no fun, Engelman. Whatever, pal. Uh, (laughs) Kidding aside, thanks, everyone, for taking some time. And I hope for those who've had a chance to listen in, get a little bit of a a deeper insight as to what made this so special. And the colors were the easy part, I would say. Uh, It truly was the, the grand ambition that was attached to the very beginning of the program and this being executed to such a high level with so many people deciding to push this as far as possible. That is what made this such an amazing thing. So thanks again for honestly creating some amazing memories that I know everyone who is either at Petit Le Mans or read a story, watched a video, something remotely about this, they're not going to forget uh, how the numbers 911 and 912s looked Uh, here in October 2019.